Welcome to the podcast series, Withers Talks Cryptocurrency. I am Charles Kolstad, a partner in Withers Global Cryptocurrency Practice Group, and I'm delighted to be hosting this podcast series. In these podcasts, I'm asking cryptocurrency-related questions to my Withers colleagues in our cryptocurrency group around the world. With me today is Paul Roy of counsel in our New Haven, Greenwich, and New York offices, who focuses on U.S. domestic and international tax and estate planning, with a particular focus on philanthropy. Paul is currently advising clients on charitable giving with cryptocurrencies. Before we get started, I want to remind listeners that anything discussed in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we're not providing any legal investment or other advice. Today's topic is cryptocurrency and charitable giving. We will focus on the interplay of cryptocurrencies and charitable giving as more and more clients have significant crypto investments that they are looking to use as part of their charitable giving plan. So Paul, is it possible? Can you give charitably using cryptocurrencies in the first place? Uh, yes, uh, Charles, good, good to be with you, by the way. Um, yeah, yes, it is possible to um, to make gifts of uh, cryptocurrencies. Um, the IRS has ruled, uh, I believe it was a 2018 ruling, that cryptocurrency uh, will be treated as property uh, for most purposes, including um, charitable giving. So um, the normal rules regarding gifts of property to charity would apply. For example, if crypto is held longer than 12 months, it would be treated as a capital asset and a deduction up to full fair market value at the time of gift would be available to, for gifts to a public type charity. Um, as you know, gifts to non-operating foundations um, uh, are, are deductible only to the extent of uh, basis with a few exceptions. Um, and charities, because they're exempt, they can sell crypto generally free of tax. Private foundations um, have an excise tax. It's minimal. It's 1.39% uh, on any investment gains, and gains from the sale of uh, crypto would be uh, treated that way. There's some special rules for charities, you know, that leverage investment property, and, and you know, they can be subject to regular tax, um, you know, rates up to 37% if, if investments, including crypto, are leveraged, but generally they're exempt from tax. Um, essentially, you know, it amounts to uh, charities having to set up a what's referred to as a crypto wallet you know to enable themselves to receive cryptocurrency uh, but a lot of charities and a lot of donor advised funds have sort of gotten on board and you know ready to accept uh, 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 ready to accept crypto so so Paul uh, to the extent that clients have held crypto for a really long time and the crypto is significantly appreciated it sounds like it makes more sense to give it to a public type of charity so you get a fair market value deduction rather than to a private foundation where you may only get your basis which might be significantly lower than the current value is that right uh yeah that, that's right and you know donor advised funds uh qualify as public charities uh for this purpose so um i think that you know anybody with currency with cryptocurrency with a charitable uh, goal uh, should consider donor advised funds. Um, so you know the general rule is that you know if you give the crypto to a public charity that's been held longer than 12 months, again you get full fair market value deduction. There have to be an appraisal of the value on the date of the gift, um, and 
you are eligible uh, to deduct up to 30% of your adjusted gross income. Um, but there's a five-year carry forward, so if you uh, donate crypto in excess of the 30%, you can carry, for, carry it forward for up to five years, and the 30% limitation applies in each of the following five years. Um, as I mentioned, donor advice funds are, are treated like public charities, so the same deduction is available as if you gave the crypto to a museum, let's say, or other or other public uh, charity. I should mention, though, there are special uh, foundations. Uh, certain foundations, including operating foundations, qualify as public charities for, for this purpose, so the crypto can be aimed toward, uh, toward an operating foundation. Uh, there are also uh, some other special types of foundations uh, that, we, you know, uh, we won't uh, get into the detail now, but there are pass-through foundations and pooled common funds that would allow a deduction up to full fair market value for the donation of the crypto. Um, pass-through foundations, for example, you could donate the crypto into a trust or corporation you set up, and then the uh, crypto could be sold, and then the cash could be paid on to a donor advised fund or other public charity. Uh, and that would work uh, for a full fair market value deduction as well. So it sounds like don't give it to a private foundation, give it to a donor advice fund is is the takeaway here. I think so, yeah, definitely. So there are a large number of tax-exempt organizations, not just public charities and private foundations. How does crypto play into the other types of tax-exempt organizations? Okay, we'll set aside, you know, charitable lead and remainder trust for now. I think we're going to get to that a little bit later. But there's been um, a lot of interest in uh, funding uh, social welfare uh, organizations. You know, uh, uh, the 501c4s, if you're, you know, following the Internal Revenue Code. And these are organizations which, um, like uh, 501c3s, uh, have a, you know, public benefit. But... Um, Social welfare organizations, unlike uh, charitable organizations, can do uh, lobbying and, in certain cases, can fund uh, uh, political uh, uh, campaigns. Uh, crypto can be used to fund a 501c4 uh, social welfare organization. Um, the only thing is there's no available income tax deduction for a gift to a D4. So the uh, 501c3 is king in that regard in that it offers the, the charitable income tax deduction. But the social welfare organization, again, can sell the crypto uh, free, free of tax. Um, uh, there's no excise tax. It is subject to uh, unrelated business income tax, though, so you have to watch leverage. You can't, uh, if it owns leveraged crypto and sells it, uh, it, it can face a tax on that. But the uh, the transfer into the social welfare organization is free from tax. It's not not subject to gift tax. So we actually have some situations now where we're advising clients on, on just that issue. Interesting. So one of the advantages of cryptocurrency is anonymity. If if you're a, a 501c4 social welfare organization and a million dollars of crypto shows up in your wallet one day, uh, does the social welfare organization have an obligation under anti-money laundering or any other rules to find out who actually just gave them the million dollars, or do they just take the money and, and go off and do whatever they do? That, that's a great, a great question, Charles. Um, in fact, the IRS has just finalized regulations 
on the reporting that has to be done in terms of donations to a 501c4. Unlike 501c3s, with a 501c4, donors do not have to be disclosed in the Schedule B that's attached to their annual tax return. Now, the organizations do have to maintain records so that if the IRS audits, they'll be able to come in and examine. But it's very advantageous for C4s because they don't have to disclose that. In terms of money laundering, I think the rules are generally the same as for other organizations and for other types of property. So the due diligence has to be done in terms of know your customer and that type of thing for certain organizations. But one thing is certainly a charitable organization and also a C4, maybe to a lesser extent, they have a fiduciary obligation to the organization. And so that really creates a bias towards accepting gifts, right? Because they need money to run their operations. So that sometimes comes in conflict with the know your customer rule. So, Paul, that raises a fascinating question. I know that in certain areas of the political contribution spectrum, non-U.S. people are not allowed to make donations. Is this cryptocurrency a way that people outside of the U.S. could make donations to political campaigns because there's no way of knowing where the cryptocurrency came from? I think it's a risk. It's a live issue, both with respect to C4 organizations and also C6 organizations, sort of the trade union and trade associations. And I think there has been some interest in foreign persons setting these up for purposes of making donations. And I think there's more and more rules coming out in terms of disclosure for those rules. Just a little bit on C4s, I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but C4 can promote legislation or counter legislation. When it starts to fund political campaigns, it gets into some of the reporting that 527s, that PACs have to do. And so that's sort of a caution for the wary. And that is reported pretty openly under the federal election law. Great. So shifting focus slightly, charitable lead trusts and charitable remainder trusts are often used for estate planning purposes. How does crypto fit into these strategies? Well, I think it's fair to say that the charitable remainder trust is the more popular vehicle in terms of cryptocurrency, because usually the trust is set up, cryptocurrency is donated, and then it's sold right away. Given the volatility, you're going to want to sell it because the charitable remainder trust will then have an obligation to pay to the donor or the donor and the donor's spouse for a period of time in annuity. So there has to be liquidity to do that. And the cryptocurrency is usually sold a day after it's received for that purpose. And we have clients that are doing that. And again, if it's a capital asset, it'll be treated as capital gain when sold by the charitable remainder trust. And then the payments that come out under the CRT system for taxing payments can be taxed partially as capital gain to the recipient. So that's very popular. I think charitable lead trusts 
um, would be a little bit less popular because they're not tax exempt. Um, they're not tax exempt entities. Um, they're either grantors, so that the settlor is going to be taxed on any uh, gain, or they're going to be non-grantor, you know, so-called uh, complex trust, where the trust is going to be taxed on on any gain. Um, but the charitable lien trust is very advantageous for assets that are appreciating in, in value, particularly with uh, you know with cryptocurrency that's rapidly increasing can be a great um, you know a great uh, planning tool on on the downside you know um, it can it can go up quickly it could go down quickly too so it's um you know it's a mixed um, you know it's sort of a mixed blessing but uh, frankly I haven't seen any uh, crypto uh, strategies with with uh, charitable lead trusts not yet anyway so it sounds like a charitable remainder trust if you've got highly appreciated crypto uh, is significantly a better way to go than a private foundation because they're both tax exempt but you don't pay the 1.39 percent tax uh, that the private foundation would pay at the charitable remainder trust level right no exactly and uh I think the main reason people use the, the CRT is that, you know, the, the crypto is high and they want to diversify out of it, you know, at the least cost possible. So that's typically, you know, the transaction that goes into the, the CRT and it's sold, then, you know, the next day or a couple of days later. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what about any other ways of adding cryptocurrency to an estate plan? Well, um, what's fascinating, uh, like a charitable lead trust, there is an animal called... Uh, a grant, uh, grantor retained annuity trust, and that can be very useful for crypto and for other uh, assets that you know can um, go up, uh, go up or down, you know, uh, sort of quickly, you know, um, you know, uh, strong, you know, serious uh, valuations, um, serious increases or decreases in valuation. And what a grant is basically because of the low interest rate, um, an advantage can be obtained by giving to uh, grant. During your lifetime, um, a property could be crypto, could be you know shares of a company that is expected to to go up in value. Um, the beauty of a grat, though, is that you can have a uh, a short term grat and one that um, essentially pays out um, every year, or it can be as frequently as monthly. And then the donor can receive the payments and essentially regrat. In other words, uh, create another grat with the payments received from the earlier grat. And in that way, there's a hedge against, um, you know, the volatility uh, of, the, of the, the currency. And so we've we've done that um, we've done that uh, a few times for clients. And it can be, you know, the currency itself. More often, it's a, you know, a, a holding company, an LLC, or a partnership interest where we're donating the partnership interest or, or membership interest to the GRAT, um, and then the GRAT makes the payments. Now, it's got to make a payment at least once a year uh, to the grantor, but as I said, you know, depending on how uh, volatile and, and, you know, how rapidly the values are changing, you can uh, pay quarterly or you can pay even monthly uh, from a GRAT. Great. So it sounds like if you have crypto, there are lots of ways to integrate crypto into either your philanthropic plan or your overall estate plan. Right. Yeah. One thing I should mention, you know, um, I'm sort of um, discussing crypto based on the way the tax law is now. You know, if uh, we started to take a look at the uh, green book of uh, Biden's proposal 
And so um, what's what may come along is, um, and you know, who knows if it's going to be enacted, but what's called a mark-to-market rule uh, for estate planning purposes. In other words, um, instead of um, owing the government a percentage of the um, of the uh, asset, you know, the value of the asset, which can go up to 40% under current law, um, the asset will be treated as sold, which is um, uh, a system, you know, sort of that's been popular in Canada. In other words, if you paid 100 and it's now worth uh, 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 1,000, um, you're going to have to uh, pay income tax on 900. So a completely, you know, sort of diff different way of administering a um, you know, an, uh, an estate tax, but, you know, crypto is an asset like any other. So, um, you know, the mark to market rule could affect crypto as well. Thank you, Paul. That was a fascinating discussion about charitable giving, estate planning and cryptocurrency. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining this episode of our Withers Talks cryptocurrency podcast. As always, if you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out. Thank you.